Hey there, listeners. This is Barb again from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to your first official Biblically Wired episode. I have something I'm really excited to share. There has been a miscommunication in the Christian community, or at least I've heard it preached a little bit misleading regarding Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem. And I'm going to start our discussion today in First Kings with the end of David's life. So in First Kings, it says in verse one of chapter one, now King David was old, advanced in age, and they covered him with clothes, but he could not keep warm. King David was around 70 years old at this time. So when a king is dying, it can be a very volatile situation. The whole community can be a little bit on edge because this is when somebody might decide to take arms and claim their king or another kingdom may come and conquer them knowing that they're distracted or weak. In this story, the natural king would be David's oldest son at the time named Adonijah. And you can see in verse 5, and I'll read it for you out there jogging or driving around. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggath, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. In the natural order of things, David needs to tell someone that they're going to be king, that they are going to take his place. He needs to pass on his kingship to the next generation. Well, Adonijah being the oldest, what he does is he prepares for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. So Adonijah gets on this horse or in this chariot And he is going along with this army, basically saying, I am going to be king. Come fight me. Come get through these men if you want to take it from me. Meanwhile, the prophet Nathan and David's wife Bathsheba are reminding David on his deathbed that David had promised the kingdom to Solomon. So then David does decide to bestow the kingdom to Solomon, the son of Bathsheba. But Adonijah is already sacrificed some animals and he's partying with his friends and they are telling him, long live the king. But David gets the high priest Sadak and Nathan the prophet and they came into his presence and David said, take with you the servants of your Lord, and have my son Solomon ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gihon, Gihon Springs. That is the place where kings were anointed once Jerusalem was built. So they brought kings there to be anointed, and they brought Solomon there too. They also blew the trumpet and said, Long live King Solomon. Well, the city took notice. Everybody noticed this was going on. Solomon was on David's mule. That's hint number one. He is with the high priest and the prophet. 
Now he's anointed. So the city goes crazy. They are screaming and yelling and playing musical instruments and really enjoying the thought that Solomon would be their king. We have our replacement. We now have a king. We are going to be less likely to be attacked in the coming days. And Solomon is an amazing choice. Well, the party that was going on for Adonijah hears all this loud noise. And they wonder what in the world is going on. What are they making such a fuss about? Then Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, in verse 42, comes to the door. And Adonijah says, come in, for you are a valiant man and bring good news. But Jonathan told Adonijah, no, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. So at that point, the house clears out because they realize they are at a party with a king who is now in opposition from the reigning king. So it's time to hightail it out of there. So now we're going to return to Mark chapter 11 and talk about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. We've already seen at this point in the book of Mark, Jesus's ministry around Galilee and how he comes south into Jerusalem. The book of Mark especially treats Jesus as someone who's very busy doing miracles, healing, speaking, having banquets, dinners. It's a very busy book. But here in chapter 11, Jesus and the disciples, verse 1, it says, As they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one yet has ever sat untie it and bring it here. Now, Bethany was about two miles from the temple in Jerusalem, and Jesus had family and friends there. So that's where he was going to wait until this colt was brought to him. So something we need to know, in this time period, all over Babylon, going into a city on a colt, donkey, mule, whatever they wanted to call it. This was a purebred mule, a very expensive animal. Riding it into a city was proclaiming that you are king. This was a royal mount. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem humbly, but the act of riding on a donkey was not humble. Riding on the donkey was his way of showing finally who he is as the king of the Jews. All this time throughout the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has been trying to tamper the crowd to keep them from getting too excited about his kingship. 
So what we need to know about what's going on here in Jerusalem is this community has grown and grown and grown from the earliest miracle at the wedding, turning water into wine, through all the miracles at Capernaum, Jesus's home office around Galilee, through all the sermons, all the healings, the raising of the dead son at the gate of Nain, all the 70 disciples that were chosen to go before Jesus through all these cities, they have all been coming in like a wave, like a giant tidal wave into Jerusalem. The anticipation at this point for the Messiah to come was at an absolute fever pitch. No other time in history has there been such excitement about the king that was about to come. And Jesus was the one the common people had determined to be that king. So when he rides in on this donkey, they are yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the king. For the reader or for people in our time period, this is so refreshing because all this time we have been waiting for Jesus to be celebrated for who he is by the people. But Jesus just gets this short celebration before he's caught up again with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders. But he does get this moment. This moment is so beautiful to see. What happens with these people is interesting. I know if I was in this crowd, I would have been one of them waiting to see Jesus come. I would have been one of them wanting to see a miracle, wanting to hear what he has to say, wanting to know anything about the person of Jesus. And I would have been worshiping him. I would have understood he is the king, the king of the Jews we've been waiting for. But I also probably would have been in the same crowd three or four days later, yelling, crucify him, crucify him. The majority of the people who were worshiping Jesus when he came on his donkey were also spitting and mocking him when he was walking on the way to the cross. Why is this? This is because Jesus did not meet the expectations of this crowd. They expected him to come and to overthrow Rome and to reign on the throne in Jerusalem. But this is not how Jesus came. Jesus coming on a donkey was a king coming in peace. When Jesus returns next time, he will be on the horse and he will be coming in power and he will be coming for war. But right now he is coming in peace, not to stop the oppressors that were oppressing Jerusalem, but coming to stop the oppression of sin on his people. So this great expectation that they had of Jesus that he didn't meet has caused them to yell, crucify him and to celebrate his death. 
I think this should give us pause. How often are we frustrated with Jesus because he's not meeting our expectation? And what expectation do we have of Jesus? Is it even scriptural? Is it even something Jesus had promised? It is for sure verifiable without a doubt. If he has made a promise to you, it is going to happen, period. When do we know for sure God has told us something? It's when it happens. Generally, we are most frustrated with God because we don't understand him. And that is why I am excited to get myself back into and to get you listeners into Genesis. That will be my next teaching, Genesis 1. So I hope this gave you a little bit something to chew on and reframed that entrance of Jesus and understanding that that donkey was set apart for a king. It makes me emotional to realize that there's so much about Jesus that I don't understand. So let's keep on this quest together. I want to thank you for listening. And I pray that today gives you a little time to think about what you expect from Jesus in your life. How do you see him? And what is his role with humanity now as he sits on the throne? Thanks again for listening and keep your chin up out there in Jesus name.